Hello and welcome to episode number 272 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today are Elise and Amanda, and we are talking about building and maintaining a reading habit, by which we mean the habit of regular reading. We discuss reading as a method of self-care and a ritual of restorative practice and the practical and non-essential things that get in the way of reading time. We start by talking about listening to audiobooks in the Starbucks drive-thru and the challenges of heroines who need to be redeemed instead of the hero, for example. And then we move into discussing the various ways in which each of us approach our reading time. We talk about the ways in which we read and consume stories and how our pets help us out with that purpose. We also talk about some of the things that get in the way, such as the expectation that we should be working all the time and other work cultural fallacies. I'm guessing that this is something that some of you might also be able to relate to. And as a special bonus, we have a guest interview at the end. My 10-year-old son, Moose, not his real name actually, was very excited to talk about this when I mentioned what I was recording. He wanted to join in, so we learn about how fifth graders build reading habits as well. At least my fifth grader, not all of them, just the one. But I have to ask, once you've listened, if you would like to tell us about your reading habits and how you encourage your own reading time, we would really love to hear from you. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com, or you can record a voice memo and email it to me. A few of you have sent audio files. You sound terrific, and it's so cool to hear your voices, so please don't be afraid to do that. Or if you just want to call and leave a message, you can call us at one 371 3272 But I would love to hear how you build and maintain your own reading habits and how you encourage your reading time or defend your reading time, if you, as the case may be. Today's podcast is brought to you by Dreamlands by Felicitas Ivy, the first of a book series found at DSP Publications. It's a series filled with danger, monsters, and love, with our heroes struggling towards their happily ever after. True love will win out after it, you know, goes through the ringer once or twice. The trust and its battle-hardened recruits are fighting a horrific war, a war between the humans of this world and the demons of the dreamlands. In this shadowy battle, Kino Inuzaka is merely a pawn, first an innocent bystander imprisoned and abused by the trust, then a captive of a demon Oni when taken to the dreamlands. But Oni Samojiru Aboshi treats the human with unexpected care and respect, and the demon only just earns Kino's trust when a team from the trust arrives to exploit dreamlands magic. As the war spreads across both worlds, Kino is torn between them. If he survives, he faces a decision. Go home, carve out a new life under the thumb and watchful eye of the trust, or stay in the dreamlands and find freedom in love. You can find more about Dreamlands by Felicitas Ivy at the podcast entry at smartpitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast and at DSP Publications. I will have links to both in the podcast show notes. Now, we do not have a transcript sponsor for this episode, but of course there will be a transcript because I try to transcribe every episode. But if you would like to sponsor a transcript for a future podcast, you should totally email me at sarah at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. You can talk about your book. You can talk about a box set. You can talk about whatever you want. Etsy store, gift guides, things you make, things you like. I would love to have you. And sponsoring the transcript is a very unique opportunity. Plus, I know so many people love reading the transcripts. So if you are a transcript reader, thank you. I do have a compliment this week. I love the compliments each week. This compliment is for Alana M. If you think when you go outside that birds are watching you, they totally are. They have realized that you are among the finest of humans and are studying how great you are. So keep it up. And if you would like a fine handcrafted, locally sourced compliment, heartfelt, from yours truly, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Your support of the show helps make it more gooder each week, helps me commission transcripts for older episodes, and there's a bunch of fun rewards that I really had a lot of really had a lot of fun and a really good time putting them together. So have a look, patreon.com slash smartbitches. And if that isn't an option, if you tell a friend, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast, all of these things are enormously helpful. Most of all, the fact that you're listening right now, extremely helpful. So thank you for being here. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is and where you can buy it. Plus, I've been ending each podcast with a terrible joke, and I enjoy that way too much. 
I'll have links to all the books and things we discuss in this episode as well. But now it's time to talk about reading with Elise and Amanda on with the podcast. In order to be awake enough for this, Rich ran to Starbucks this morning and got me a Vente iced coffee. And he's listening to, I think it's the Grim Space book. And he said the minute the guy opened the window to hand him his coffee, a sex scene comes on and he's got it really loud on the car uh, stereo. And he's like, he's like, I just casually reach over to turn it down rather than just like frantically slapping at the uh did he make door. eye contact with the barista while he did that he did i'm, I'm sure he did hello no, there husband. that is hilarious and i'm so impressed how is he liking grim space uh so far he's really liking it he was telling um a friend of his, they share an Audible account. So they had this like lengthy conversation about it yesterday about the difference between like Grim Space and I don't know, hyperspace or yeah. whatever. I don't know. They went down a sci fi rabbit hole. Is that the Anne Aguirre book? Is that what I'm thinking of? Yes, that's the Anna Gear yeah. book. I think there, are, I want to say there are six of them. I think I read the first one. But no, he's really liking it. Yeah, I read the first one a long time ago too. I'm really glad. It's, it's weird. It's like there's a little spate of science science fiction romances, and then they sort of dwindle for a bit, and then they all come back, and then they sort of dwindle, and then they all come back. And it's it's really interesting when you can recommend a bunch of them. The good thing about science fiction is that there's usually a series, so it's not yes. just one. Yeah, he really likes space opera, but he likes books that are more character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of space opera, I think, turns into like, please read the next twenty pages that explain oh. how our hyperdrive works. And he's like, I don't. I don't care. I'm willing to just trust that it works and be in this world. Yep. And I, I want to read like character driven books, yep. which I think is why he has, um, you know, really turned out to like romance, like specific subgenres of romance, because it is all character driven. Yep. And, and it's really kind of boring for me to read a book where all of this plot happens and the characters are just basically navigating it in a state of emotional stasis. Like nothing changes. There's no real arc for them. It's, Right. The situation around them has changed drastically, but they either don't need to or don't have to change. And I'm like, this is boring as hell. Yes. Yeah. Like, everybody has to grow up in my books. That's the requirement. We all have to find some level of adult pants and put them on. I mean, you can take them off because it so is romance. So I'm doing NaNo this year and... Go, Amanda, go. <laughs> I mean, I'm behind, but I'm treating it as like an experiment to see what works for me as a writer. So I'm not really putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but external accountability is yeah, very influential. I had a nice moment with Eric the other day because he wanted to know what it's about. And I was like two beers in and I didn't want to like explain <laughs> it because I feel like a big nerd when I try to explain my book. Um, but I... I give the plot description, and he says very thoughtfully, he's like, do you think people will like the heroine because she did such a horrible thing early on? Can she redeem herself? I was like, yes, you've got it. You've got it right. Yes, this is the whole point. She has to redeem herself. Um, oh. <laughs> so. In, That's yes. adorable. So normally, like, the hero is the one with a redemption arc, but in this one, the heroine is the one with the redemption arc. And he caught it, and it made and- me so proud. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I also think it's very interesting how in romance we are very accepting of absolutely dastardly heroes that can be redeemed. But for a lot of readers, approaching them with a heroine who is in a place where she has to seek redemption or at least uh, a major character upgrade is a much more challenging prospect for well, so I many think readers. We're so hard on our heroines because as women, I feel like we're so we're hard on me. ourselves. <laughs> Because patriarchy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep, pretty much. So we're going to talk about building a reading habit. And this was originally Elise's idea. So, Elise, can I ask you to start and explain what led you to sort of throw this idea at me in Slack, to which I was like, ooh, yes. It was probably, probably rum. Rum would be my, no, I'm joking. Um no, I have been working um, very hard on creating a kind of more rigid self-care program and self-compassion program for myself because I tend to run myself ragged, which as someone with chronic pain is not a good 
plan and not give That's myself not a good habit. No, and not give myself the space to really take care of myself mentally and physically. And um, one of the things that I have been thinking a lot about is that I spend a lot of time and money taking care of my physical health, but less so my mental and emotional health. So I'm making that more of a priority. So part of that is setting aside daily periods of time where I'm quietly reading with no other distractions, no digital snacking, um, no texting. I love that term. No work emails um, to give my brain kind of like a period of rest. How is that working? Do you, do you, how do you track that and how is it working? <clears throat> well, I set aside two separate periods of time that work the most for me. So the first one is right before bed. And part of having fibro is having a really good sleep hygiene schedule because you don't sleep really well when you have fibro. Oh, so, yes. So um, an hour before I would go to sleep normally, I go upstairs and I go to bed and I have a hot tea and sometimes a cat, and that is my reading hour. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to do anything other than read, and then after an hour, it is lights out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've done is on my – I have a – I read on a tablet. I've taken everything off of there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I just have the Kindle app, the Nook app. Um, Obviously, I still have web browsers and stuff, and I have a couple of games, but I took off, like, Twitter, Facebook, um all of that so that I can't be distracted by social media. Because I find when I read on my phone, I read for a little bit and then I'm like, what's going on on Instagram? What's mm-hmm. going on on Twitter? Or like a and I don't really would like pop up if you have those social Pop media. up, yeah. So, yep. so I have my before bed reading time, which helps me wind down. And then I'm trying to set aside an hour every day in the middle of the day somewhere and it has to shift from day to day because of my job, where I physically leave the office, even if I just Smart. go sit sit in my car somewhere, like a creeper, and I read, <laughs> I read for an hour and I don't check my text messages or my emails. Like, I just have an hour offline. So the at night part is definitely easier than during the day part. How has this worked for you? Do you track it? Do you um, sort of check it off a list? Or do you just try to observe that time when it's time? I just try to observe that time when it's time. I do have in my daily planner, I always track whether or not I read that day. Um, But I don't track whether I read during those specific periods of time. So I'm definitely not where I want to be in terms of having it just become an everyday routine. But I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at it. And part of that for me is mentally acknowledging that I deserve to have this time offline and I deserve to be away from my desk for an hour and I deserve to have quiet reading time kind of away from the world. I don't always have to be engaged digitally. And taking care of people and things. Right. Why do you think, this is a pretty personal question, so if you don't want to get into this, it's totally fine. But why do you think it is a concept for you of deserving? Is it because you've been trained, like so many other people, myself included, to put yourself and your needs last ahead of everything else? Or is it a way of acknowledging that you also need to care for yourself? I think it's more the latter in, for a lot of complicated reasons that have cost me a lot of money in therapy to uh, work (laughs) out. Uh, Yes, I I have a very similar set. Do you have matching luggage for your baggage? Yes, exactly. I I got like a set of nine suitcases. They're very nice. (laughs) One of the the things that I have always struggled with and I'm working on is that I derive a lot of my personal value from what I am able to do for other people. And that is not healthy. So whether it is in a relationship or for me, it manifests mostly professionally where I am an over, you know, I was an overachiever at school. I'm an overachiever at work. Um, I prioritize work sometimes above my own health and sanity. So that's really where it shows up. Um, And so for me, you know, like I said, I need to be able to set that aside and say, okay, this is not, this is not more important than my own mental health. And, and saying this is, this is my mental health is more important than X is a really good habit to get into, but it's also really difficult. Right. Like the company is not going to fold in the hour that I went to the coffee house and read. It would be, who knows, oh, yeah. maybe it would. But, you know, <laughs> if it's that bad, I'm probably not going to fix it just by being present. 
I was conditioned at a job that I had to never take a lunch hour because if I went out and um, if I went out for my lunch break and certain people would call and then they would get um, another person to take a message and they didn't get through and didn't get exactly what they wanted when they wanted it, that ultimately came down on me. And so I became very conditioned to never leave my desk. And then when I started working for myself, that was a habit that I thought, oh, well, that's how you get things done. Um, There was a really good podcast episode of Queerly with Carmen Esposito, and she was talking to Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. One of the things that Beatrice said was, you learn so easily that, oh, well, if I'm shitty to myself, I'm successful. So I must be successful by being shitty to myself. So I can't not be shitty to myself because then otherwise I won't be successful. And that train of thought, well, I have to be working all the time in order to be successful. I have to be miserable in order to be successful. I have to be you know, the last person in my own line of priorities. Um, that's the way it has to be. And it's a horrible self-conditioning to undo, especially when you look at it as something as as easy and simple and fundamental as reading a book. And and it's interesting because reading, like I've said so many times, reading is one of the very few times where I am doing only one thing and I am doing that one thing for myself. And it's like, oh, exactly. oh you're, 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 you're indulging into a absolutely flagrant degree. Yeah, I think I have two thoughts there. The first is that it's a really weird place to be in because like for me, the taking the so much self-value from work is um and from what I what I'm able to do for other people, I mean it's it's a sign of being insecure in some ways, but at the same time, you place so much importance on the fact that I'm there, I'm doing it. This won't work if I'm not here. It's also narcissistic, which Yes. You would think like it, it they're they're contradictory. Um, <laughs> no, they're not though. I mean, I'm the sole proprietor of my business, right? But there are times when I have to say out loud to myself, Sarah, it's a website about romance novels. Go take a shower for God's sake. Come on, go. Like seriously, I have said that to myself out loud in front of people like more times than I want to admit. <laughs> and then the other thing for me is like you said, the when I'm reading, I have to be focused on this one thing. I can't do other things and read. I can't mm-hmm. watch TV and read. Nope. I can't talk to somebody and read. I nope. can't knit and read. And so it's really, to me, it's almost like an exercise in mindfulness because it's like I have to be present for this one thing and focused on this one thing. And that is it. Yeah. And that is so healing. It's so restorative, brain. isn't it? Yes. It's amazing. Yep. It is absolutely amazing. And then when something feels good, you're like, oh, I can't do that too much. Yeah, it's it's right. just indulgent. No, 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 no. Because then, no. then you go blind. <laughs> you get hair on. You get hair on your palms from reading. I am so fucked. <laughs> Amanda, what about you? How are you building a reading habit? Because when I suggested this topic, you were like, "I have some thoughts." Yeah, it's something that I haven't really nailed down for myself yet. Um, and I think part of the reason, and probably some of our listeners might also struggle with is the like the work from home freelance life is so hard for taking time for yourself because Mm -hmm. there's no um, physical separation from like work and your home it's not like I go into an office all of my stuff is there all of my materials are there my work email is there and then at five I clock out and I get to leave and I don't have to deal with anything until 9 a.m the next morning there aren't that many jobs like that (laughs) and this is not a reflection on my work for smart pitches because it is a dream job and I love it but it's oh thank you but it's something I struggle with the same issues yeah like when I feel like I don't want to compare my work to a doctor, but, like, you're always on call sort of thing. Like, if something mm-hmm. – if there's a horrible comment on the site or something's blowing up or not working or the website – The internet is never off. Yes. Um, so it's hard sometimes because when I want to read a book, I war with myself on, oh, I could take an hour to read, but, like – you know, I should do I this. Should. Yeah. Like, 
you know, I should schedule, like, next week's Habo, or maybe I could, <laughs> like, get a jump start on doing tomorrow's books on sale, or there are a lot of books for the podcast this week, so I could start putting them into, like, our repository. Um, so there's always that feeling of, well, I could just be spending my time getting ahead on work, or, you know, that sort of thing. So it's hard. Um and I haven't really found a way to unplug from those things. And I like Elise's idea of just kind of taking an hour, don't have your computer nearby, don't have your phone nearby, just kind of turn everything off. Um, but I'm, I am addicted to the internet. I am a child of the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So... For me to kind of adapt Elise's uh, regimen, I might have to like leave all of my electronics in a separate room, like physically put myself apart from my phone, my computer, everything else. But another temptation is that I love background noise while I'm reading. It's hard for me to read in silence for whatever reason. Um so I'm constantly looking for uh, mindless background noise. And I made the mistake. I think I tweeted about it. I was like, oh, I'll put on <clears throat> iZombie, which is on Netflix. And I had never watched it before. I was like, oh, this is just going to be like a silly show. I'm not going to care about it while I Uh-oh. read on my Kindle. No. I put my Kindle down. I watched <laughs> four straight hours of iZombie. And it was 2 a.m. <laughs> by the time I went to bed. <laughs> so Surprise! I called it a Bad Decisions Netflix club. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people in that club. But I, I I get it because even when, you know, you don't work from home, which I've done before, so I totally understand what you're talking about. Even now, I have to be connected to the office all the time. I'm answering emails at 1130 at night. I'm getting text messages first thing Saturday morning. And that's just become an expectation of the workplace now. Yes, I actually learned this um, recently from a couple of books that I've been reading about um, productivity, time management, and digital expectations. And one of the things that's happened as communication gets faster, the expectation of reply gets faster. You expect to have an answer immediately. And when you don't get one, you're like, but what? Um, and it is, a, it is a challenge to train other people to understand that you will not respond immediately and you will respond when it's good for you. Um, and to choose to break that expectation of rapid response has a lot of consequences, both positive and negative, depending on what industry you're in. I feel like there's also this uh, pervasive notion of like working yourself to the bone. Oh, yes. Busyness is prized so much, and especially in the United States. Yes. If you're not working and you're not busy and you're not stressed, you're doing it wrong. Bullshit. There's definitely that feeling of, like, I have free time, and if I'm not using it to, like, further my work, like, what am I doing with my life, sort of? No, I was literally in a meeting with my boss this week where he was kind of yelling at everyone about the fact that like we're all salaried and if that means we have to work 20 hours a week we work 20 hour or 20 hours a day we work 20 hours a day and I'm just looking at him like oh, I don't think that's possible but okay no 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 how about no how about my job is not the only thing in my life one of the things that happened to me when we moved to DC is that so many people here work for the government that the government is closed when the, the when the time is done and there are offices that have longer hours but when your office is closed or the government is closed, you don't work because it's closed. Like the government takes snow days and has delayed openings. And I'm like always waiting for, you know, federal government, two hour delay, no morning kindergarten because they, they will close. And people around here, they have hobbies. Like it's weird. <laughs> they like bike and garden and they have hobbies. And it's like, what is going on here? My next door neighbor is a NASA scientist. And he has like nine hobbies and every power tool known to man because, you know, engineer brain builds things like he power washed his driveway. And I was just like, this is amazing. You do things outside of work. What's this like? And my husband, when he transitioned to working for the government, went through the same thing. Like, I have all of this time where I'm not expected to be available or respond to things. And it's kind of like we talk about how it used to be when he worked for a, a law firm. 
And the change is, is drastic. It's also been really influential for me because I look at him and I think, okay, I'm self-employed. I can choose when to work and when not to work. So this is super inappropriate. And Elise is going to cringe because she's also a manager. But as your boss, Amanda, I just want to say you do not have to work all the time. <laughs> and you are not expected to be on call all the time. It's a website about romance novels. It's okay. Don't tell the internet I said that. But it's true. It's a website about romance novels. Go outside. <laughs> but what if someone has a question? Well, they're just going to have to wait a few minutes. <laughs> you know what? And what if someone has a meltdown in the comments? Well... That is a thing that happens. Oh, well, it's 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 a website. It's not, you know, it's not it's not neurosurgery. No one's going to bleed to death. And people's reading is important. And I, you know, you know, I take the community at Smart Bitches more seriously than I take anything, including myself. But it, it one of the biggest challenges that I have faced in working at home for myself over the past almost eight years is that it's okay to choose to not work. But I have gotten to the point where I have to ask myself, okay, Sarah, what does your not working right now look like? Like, what's the list of tasks? And I did not know the answer, and it freaked me out. <laughs> like, I didn't I – I wrote – I have a notebook. So I'm everything digital is scheduled. But I have a notebook where – I have a traveler's notebook where I have a monthly habit tracker. And among my habit trackers that I fill in each day is, did you read today? And I thought about setting a page count, but – because I read on a, a Kindle and because I move the text size larger and smaller, depending on whether or not my eyes are tired or I have a headache or I want to wear my glasses, a, a page count would not work. So I'm just like, did you read? Did you read today? And, and I try to fill in that block. Okay. But even reading, it's hard to answer that question. Am I working or not working? Because am I reading this book for review? Am I analyzing what I think about it while I read it? Am I reading it and asking myself, do I want to keep reading this? Is this part of my docket of books that I want to review this month? Is this a workbook or a not workbook? And then I still get stuck in that question of, oh, you have to do this. And when reading becomes something that I have to do, I don't want to do it. It's like, I want to go play Stardew Valley and figure out why I don't know how to fish. I don't know how to fish in Stardew Valley. It's really distressing me. <laughs> It's all, you got to get a computer. I'm sorry, I know. Sarah. You got to do it on the computer. The other thing I realized about working from home, and I bet this is true for you too, Amanda, I used to have reading time built in because I had to commute and I took public transportation. So of course I was reading like an hour each way because yeah. my commute was ghastly. Once you take away the commute, you have to figure out when to read. And yes. when reading is part of your job, that also becomes a challenge too. Um, that's why I'm slowly starting to get into audiobooks, and um, that's I'm excited for the Audible romance, oh. like unlimited thing. I want to go like shake the hand of the person who's like, "All right, I got this <laughs> idea. How about unlimited romance?" Like because I, I, it's so smart. <laughs> my when I have to go somewhere, it's usually not very far. Where I live is well situated. And I can walk to Starbucks, I can walk to the grocery store, I can walk to my local bookstore, um, and it's about like a quarter of a mile walk. I could take the tea if I wanted to, I could take it up one stop, but if it's a nice day, I'll get a coffee and I'll walk and I'll have my headphones in. So um, because there's less commuting on a train and more commuting, I guess, by foot, um, my reading has slowly started to move to a little bit more audio when I didn't listen to audio at all, period. Um, but regarding reading, I too struggle with like, okay, I'm reading this book, but am I going to review it? Or this was already reviewed on the site. So like, what's the point of reading it? Even if I <laughs> Um, what do I think of it while I'm reading it? How am I reading this book? Is this what is this character going to do? Like turning off your analytical review brain? Yes. I have a whole list of books that are you are not allowed to review these. And then, of course, my brain is like, oh, but I have lots to say now. Like in the recent um, in the recent thread about comfort books, like books that you find solace in. Um, someone recommended Lois McMaster Bujold's self-published Penrick novella series. Oh my God, they're adorable. And they were on my, you don't have to review this. It's fine. You've got to review docket, take a break. It's a novella. You won't take that long. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say now. Like so much. 
I think we've talked before about how I'm really good at taking the things I enjoy and making them stressful for myself. We have um, talked about that. <laughs> yes. See, see earlier comment about the amount of money Lisa spent on therapy. So and, and I don't knitting know what, and books and books and knitting and coffee and knitting yeah. and coffee. Yes. Um, I don't know what the ever loving fuck I was thinking <laughs> when I set my Goodreads challenge for 2017 because <laughs> I thought. <laughs> So I thought that like 200 books was a completely reasonable number. I don't, I was sober when I did it. I know I was. Um, apparently I don't know how to math because there are fucking 365 days in a year. So I'm just over a hundred books for the year, which is a lot of books, right? But I'm pissed off because there's no way I'm ever going to meet that challenge. And every time I put a book on Goodreads, I get this email from Goodreads that says, so you finished. Uh, the Winter People by Jennifer McMahon. What should you do next? And I'm like, I know what I'm going to do next, Goodreads. I have a giant fucking stack of books here, okay? I don't need any more pressure from you. I need emotional support, and I need coffee, and I need you to fuck off. I'm surprised that when you set your goal, Goodreads wasn't like, are you sure about that? <laughs> Like Netflix, like, are you still watching Stranger Things? I am, you judgmental bitch. Yes, I've been sitting oh, here for God. four straight hours in my own filth. Leave me alone. You don't need to remind me that I haven't showered all day. So one of the things about how I read is um, I do definitely read digitally, but I mostly read in paperback, which is also very expensive because I literally stare at three screens all day and... When I get home from work, I don't want to look at screens anymore because screens are work. Yes. And so my brain, my brain doesn't separate so much. And like I've noticed, um, when I read on my Kindle, even as I'm getting tired and I'm like, I should probably go to bed now. My brain is like, no button, next screen, next screen, go next screen. <laughs> it's like this, this compulsion that I don't have when I read in paperback. Um, so I literally have stacks of books all, all over my fucking house. And Sarah had made the comment once, like, we were talking about saving books. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't do that because I don't reread. And you were like, well, I've seen pictures of your house. Why are all those books there? And I was like, so about that, <laughs> um, I don't have a TBR pile. I have a TBR house. <laughs> uh, the foundations of your, of your house are made of paperback books. Surprisingly sturdy. And hardcovers. And hardcovers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are literally books fucking everywhere. <laughs> and that that stresses me out, too, because sometimes, like, the pile falls down and it's loud. And then, like, that's just a you know, audio reminder of how many books I have left and to read. And then you have to fix the pile and you're like, <sighs> oh, this book. I forgot to read. But, oh, and I just have to read this one. Oh, and I should read this one. Yeah. Yes. I'm definitely experiencing a shift um, between my digital reading and reading in paperback. And audio, too. It, you, um, you're definitely changing yeah. how you read. Well, from for the last six months, I have been really resistant to reading digitally. Like, I don't want to read digitally. I want to have a book in my hands. I have no problem with, you know, ebooks at all. But for some reason, if I have to read on my Kindle, I just don't feel like reading. Even if I'm really excited about the story or or anything else, if I have to read it digitally, it saps my my excitement for reading. Is it because it's a it's a it's a device? I think so. I think it's because I just don't want to read on a s screen lately. I I don't want to do that. Um, and maybe because Elisa made a point where screens are associated with work. That's really and interesting. Yeah. So I think I, I saw know. a uh, thing on the reductress that I redid on or reposted on Facebook. And it was like, woman who drinks 12 highly caffeinated beverages a day worries about blue light habits like with sleeping and i feel like that just that's me right like it's it's 9:30 and i just had a coke zero and then i'm like oh maybe this blue light thing is why i can't fall asleep <laughs> i think that's really interesting that you're both um device and also paper readers because like i've said i 
almost always read in a Kindle because I have so much control over the over the text size. And for the last week, I have been trying out the new Kindle Oasis, the new like super high end drop it in water, it can swim and it plays audible over a Bluetooth device, the Kindle. And I had to seriously talk myself into buying this. My old paper white kept booting and I would like turn the page and it would take like four and a half seconds to remember. And of course, by then I turned like three pages trying to get it to respond. So it was it was dying and it was time. But the Oasis is really expensive. And as I've been sort of mentally asking myself about for my future review, do I recommend that people buy it? I don't honestly know that I do because it is so expensive for what it is. And you, I think that I would be just as happy with the Paperwhite, which is less quality or less quality, less costly. But I get why they call it the Oasis. Um, I read a review of it on The Verge and the guy was really, I think it was a guy, was really dissatisfied because even though you can stream Audible, you can't read a book and listen to Audible at the same time for what he called an immersive experience. And I was like, my brain would hate that so much because when I listen to an audiobook, I listen to it at about 1.4 or 1.5 normal speed. And my reading is probably faster than that. So my brain and my, my eyes and my brain and my ears and my brain would not be on the same track. <laughs> that would be just very messy. But when I have the Kindle, if and even if it's the Paperwhite, that's the only thing I'm doing. And that device and the e-ink says to me, it is read time. And that's the only thing this device does. And I think that's part of why it's called the Oasis. It's the only thing you do on that device is consume media. Even though you can share progress and connect to Goodreads, um, one of the criticisms of this Verge review was that the Kindle Fire tablets are so much cheaper. They have the Kindle app and Twitter and Facebook. And I'm like, yeah, I actually don't want those things near my reading. I don't want them anywhere near what I'm reading or me. Like I will leave my phone on a whole other floor to get away from, um, I'm going to have to figure out who said this, but this podcast I was listening to, I want to say it might have been – no, it wasn't Jason Fried from Basecamp. It was somebody else. But it, he basically said your, your brain is full of guppies that crave um, serotonin and signing onto social media is like all the guppies come to the surface of your brain and are like, feed us, feed us, feed us. I have to shut up the guppies by tossing my phone in a completely other place. I don't want Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Goodreads and anything else giving me any kind of notification when it's reading time. I want that literal oasis. And having that is so crucial that – paper is even it's it's uncomfortable for me enough that I'm distracted like oh the text is too small oh I'm having trouble reading this any discomfort that is eradicated and any interruption or notification that is eradicated makes it easier for me to really immerse myself in my reading which is when I feel the most recharged you know what I mean mm-hmm yeah, I think one of the reasons I really like reading in paper, too, is that I give books away when I'm done with them. Mm -hmm. So I have lots of reading friends and they like different things. And so I'm kind of like I take pleasure in I'm going to read this and then who who would like it when I'm done. And um, so I share a lot of books with my friends that way, too. Mm -hmm. I like having that physical thing that, you know, it's hard to. You can give someone a, a Kindle book or a notebook or however they read, but it's, I don't know, it's different. It's like, I want to share this experience with you. Mm -hmm. I wish my roommate would do that <laughs> because Stephanie reads a lot of YA. She consumes YA and she reads a lot. Like she reads every single night and she's got a really good reading habit, but she keeps every book she reads, even if she doesn't like it. And so we have... No more room in this apartment <laughs> for another book. That's going to be expensive we when you don't. move. I know. We don't. And she just got a new bookshelf. It's already pretty much filled up. And she's struggling with, well, what a, I need more space. And I told her, I was like, why don't you just get rid of the books that you didn't like? She's like, yeah, I should go through my books. Yes. But then she doesn't. Oh, man. So I was like, why are you keeping books that you didn't enjoy? We have a little free library. Yeah, I read too much too quickly to keep books because then I would I would have I'd be worried about like the uh the security of my floor, you know, floor collapsing. <laughs> so I have a friend who is a reading specialist for like middle um middle-aged or middle school-aged kids and so I send her all my YA. Aww. 
I thought you were going to say middle-aged. I was going to say there's a reading specialist for middle-aged people. (laughs) I might want to talk to that person. I meant to say middle grade, not (laughs) middle-aged. I also feel like the universe knows when I want to read or even take a nap because my phone starts blowing up. My mom needs to talk. My brother wants to text me. Like, just so many things start happening. And I'm like, please just leave me alone. Like, they know when I want to be left alone. And that's when all the things happen on my phone. I have a um, a special guest here with me. My old, my younger son. Hi. 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 This is Elise and Amanda. And we've decided your name for this podcast is going to be Moose. Okay. Okay. So how old are you, Moose? I am 10. And do you like to read? Yes. Why did you get to have a reading habit? When I told <laughs> Moose, when I told Moose that we were going to be recording about talking about a reading habit, he's like, oh, I have ideas. So why do you have a reading habit? How come you ended up with the habit of reading? Last year in fourth grade, um, I had to read 30 minutes every day, even on the weekends. So every night before bed, I read 30 minutes and it's still like that. I still have to read 30 minutes, but it created a habit because I had to do it no matter what, and it helped me sleep. So I did it for more than one reason. And when you knew the benefit that it helped you sleep, it was easier to do that every day. And it was easier to get comfortable with it. Now, what do you like to read? Do you like to read on an ebook or do you like to read paper? Uh, preferably paper, but ebooks are fine. Ebooks are fine. And how about audiobooks? Those are also good. Those are also good. You're not too particular. So what happens when you're reading? Like when you're reading, are you relaxed? Yeah, mainly because I'm in bed. But Yeah. So you associate reading with something you do before bed to help you sort of end the day, right? Yeah. Speaking of that, one thing about me is that an easier way to make a habit is you find the thing that it helps you with. Yes, that's true. Other than just true. making the habit. Find the things that it will do to help you. So find the reason for having the habit. So your reasons for having a reading habit are, A, your teacher will be mad at you if you don't. <laughs> yeah, my teacher will, like, explode. <laughs> and although this year in fifth grade, you have a teacher who's like, you don't have to do the reading on Saturday nights and Sunday nights. And it's, Friday nights. Oh, so it's just Monday through Thursday night she wants you to read, which is different from your fourth grade teacher. Hmm. Which do you think is better, all seven nights or just reading for four nights? I mean, to create the habit, you, the seven I didn't read seven nights. I read an hour on Sunday. Yeah, you would skip Saturday nights and we'd read an hour on Sunday, which you did not like because it sounded like a lot of time. And then you'd get started and you'd go through the end of the timer. And I was like, can I read more? Yeah, like we're going to say no. Yeah, like every – No, I'm sorry. You can't read anymore. You have to stop. Like every night I've asked to read more because of last year. Mm Mm-hmm. So – How do you feel after you read? Tired. Tired? Do well, f- I don't feel tired, but I know I am. But you are? And it's easier to go to sleep? Yeah, because electronics make, keep your eyes awake, and when you're reading a book, it's just paper with words. Yep. And it's not flashing lights. No, it's not flashing <laughs> lights. I have a question for Moose. That's Amanda. Moose, do you think it's in, yeah. Do you think it's important to read at a specific time every night to keep that habit? Yes. I think... In my opinion, I think that you should, so you don't just have, like, so it's not like, I'm just going to do it later. I'm just going to do it later, continuously, so you don't end up actually doing it. Make sure you read every night with no exceptions. That's one way I created my habit, not being lazy and stopping, like being strict about it and making sure I do it for more than one reason. Last year, I had a strict teacher, and two, it helps me sleep. Yep. But the helping you sleep was the more effective reason, like... Yes, you'll get in trouble. Yes, you'll get in trouble if you if you don't do your reading. But having the sleeping reason really convinced you. And you were not at all resistant to reading after you were like, dude, you sleep better. Oh, yeah. And after like two months was it, I was just like, this is my, this is what I want to read. This is great. And there's so many more books for you to read now. Yes, more books and more books. Do you have any advice for anybody who wants to develop a reading habit and doesn't have a teacher who's grading them? Because that's the hard thing about being a grown-up. You have to be your own sort of teacher and be like, okay, the consequences are that you have to read. And sometimes 
sometimes adults give really mean consequences to themselves. It's a problem. So what, are you, what is your advice for someone who wants to have a better reading habit? Um, I have two things. One is create a schedule that you keep near the place where you think you should read. Oh. And two is... Um, You forgot? Nope. I have an idea of what you do. Maybe this is what you were going to say. Keep everything where you need to have it so that when it's time to do it, you have everything there. You have oh, your book. Wait, you have you, your light. You remembered. Go yeah. ahead. So instead of, it's not really grading yourself, but every like week or every two weeks, you take a look at like a schedule, the schedule that you have and how many times you've read. Mm-hmm. And and like grade yourself on how many times you've read like 10 times 10 times out of 14 is like an a 14 out of 14 is like an a plus or Mm -hmm. should you have rewards yeah you can reward yourself like i can do this now instead of doing that now so having rewards might help too yeah all right do you guys have any other questions for young moose what are you reading right now um, right now I was, I was reading the Harry Potter series. Not right now. I'm just reading some other books. Like I think I'm reading big Nate. And yes. In the middle of big Nate. I'm not a fan of big Nate because he's kind of a jerk, but you recognize the ways in which big Nate is a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He calls people who are good in class nerds. Yes. And he, and he thinks someone who's good in class and likes the teacher is like a jerk lot, which is stupid. Yeah. Completely stupid. Yeah. Isn't that a bad word, though? Aren't you not supposed to say stupid? Or is that at your old school? Stupid was a bad word. No. Old, old school. Your old, old school, it was a bad word. That's right. You're not allowed to say stupid at your old, old school. What book do you want to read next? Mm, Probably the second book in a a series I read at school called Hilo. Hilo? Yeah. It's about a robot who cra- who cra- who's in a parallel dimension who stops bad robots from going wrong, and he has, and he can like shoot lasers out of his hands. That sounds good. Yeah, I it can. Is. I have a t- okay two part question. How many books have you read this year, and what's been the best book? You've oh, read that is so a good far? question. I don't know if we've counted how many, how many books, books I've read. I'd say at least ten. Yes, but some of them were the really large Harry Potters. Yeah. Most, like, at least Ooh. 10 because I took breaks from Harry Potter reading Big Nate and at school I read. So I'd say at least 10. And you've read that whole um, graphic novel series that you were waiting for at the library, too. No, uh, not Amulet. That, not this year. I'm still waiting for the third book after I get the second Here's one. Here's the most annoying thing. I had the first I had the first book. I read it. No problem. And then I had to wait, like, three weeks for the second book. And all of the third books were there. And then by the time I get the second book, I finish it. None of the third books are there. Oh, man. It's so aggravating. That is so there's annoying. so many of the third books. Wait, that is the, the worst. worst. That really is the worst. What's your favorite book that you've read this year so far? Do you remember? Five-Minute Marvel Stories. Five-Minute Marvel Stories? Why? <laughs> you just finished quick. that like last week. What did you like about it? Everything. Everything? The only thing I didn't like was the, was the graphics for Peter Parker. Yeah? His head was like... A shape, not like a circle. It was just like it was like <laughs> it's a his, his chin was like a his chin was, was like a, a trapezoid. <laughs> no, his chin was like a triangle. Just that's cool. I can understand not liking the illustration. And then he's... when he puts the mask on, his head his head is like this. It's all rounded. Yeah, that's very. But when silly. his mask is off, his head is different. So for you, the illustrations yeah. didn't work for that one. That's yeah. cool. Thank you for participating in our conversation about reading habits. I appreciate it. You thought about it. You wanted to join in. Do you guys have any other questions for Young Moose? No, but it was good talking to you. Say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I'll be down in a bit and we'll go to lunch, okay? Yeah. Cool. Thank you for uh, indulging Moose as he wanted to uh, talk about reading because he and I talk about reading a lot. Moose makes it sound so easy. And I'm like, what am I doing with my <laughs> well, life? I mean, when you're when you're a fourth or fifth grader and a large portion of your grade rests on having read and filled out a reading sheet and there are activities and graded activities based on what you're reading in school. It's it's a little bit easier, I think, to stay on the ball. Sarah, I'm going to need you to give me graded activities. From- <laughs> right. Um, I would just like to like Skype with Moose periodically and talk about what we're reading. Okay. So if you could, yeah, the, sure. and Legos. No problem. It's actually the, my older son, Freebird, who's more into Legos. 
Moose is super into Minecraft, and this is why I knew he would love Stardew Valley. It's Stardew Valley is really like if if Minecraft and Pokemon had a baby and then like just rolled around in, in Moose Catnip because it is so perfect for him. There's crafting and digging and building and destroying things. And then there's a story that you can follow along with and level up. Like it's the greatest game for him. But yeah, I will totally hook you up so you guys can chat about what we're reading. Awesome. That would be excellent. Yeah. Moose, here's here's this woman from Wisconsin you've never heard of before. We're just <laughs> we're gonna form a it's book fine. club. Yeah, it's no big deal. He he desperately wants a YouTube channel, and I'm trying to figure out how to make that happen in a way that's safe for him. Um, but one of my driving philosophies in terms of being a parent of kids in the age of the internet is that I try not to include them or feature them or even mention them all that much. Because I had the freedom when the internet showed up to create my own identity. Like it, I just created my own existence online. And I would, I would have been really bummed if someone had created an identity for me by sharing so much of my youth and my childhood. And so I want them to have the freedom to sort of, you know, show up online and create their own identity the way they want without my having created anything there for them with lots of pictures. Like there's very few pictures of them on the internet and I don't talk about them a lot because I want them to have this sort of creative freedom to invent themselves the way they want to. And I'm really struggling with um, when is the right time for him to be able to start doing that because he wants to connect with people the way that they they connect with him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What kind of YouTube channel does he want to do? He wants to do like a a gaming channel where he records himself playing Minecraft or playing Stardew Valley. He wants to do – he watches a lot of gamers on YouTube and he wants to do that too. It's very cute. But he also wants to demonstrate how he does things. Like he thinks that there is a very specific way to go down a hill in a sled and he wants to teach that method to other people. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but he is my extroverted child. (laughs) No, I didn't pick up on that at all. No, not at all. And he started talking at nine months old and has not stopped. And now he is 10. So <laughs> parents It's only going to get worse as he learns more words. Yeah, and God has – and this was a problem for Adam and me when we were parenting him because I was like, we have to remember, he has the vocabulary of a 45-year-old, but he's seven or he's five. <laughs> he's emotionally a very young person with the vocabulary of an adult. And so just because he can articulate in incredibly complex language what is going on does not mean that we should be convinced to give him extra dessert, even though he's made a very cogent <laughs> and layered argument in favor of that position. Come on, Sarah, give the kids some extra dessert. <laughs> he reads every night. I know, I know. And even though you know, don't reward people with food, they're not dogs. Like, Food is a really great reward for me. Yeah, Looks great. Wait, who came up with that bullshit <laughs> idea? I know. <laughs> so do you guys have any resolutions for yourself? Because, you know, we're approaching the, the new year. What are your do, – do you have any resolutions for reading more or differently? Or instead, are you going to focus on making reading a habit that is kind to yourself? Definitely the latter. I Because if I make a rule or a plan or a goal for myself. It is just a means of punishing myself later on. Yeah, that's not good. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a moose. Yay! And I really liked his idea of I don't even know why I didn't think of it, but reading before bed as a way of like conditioning yourself um as like settling down for the night. Because I do have like trouble getting to sleep or going to sleep at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that will also help with that. Um, so like making kind of- reading a ritual. Yes, like a bedtime ritual. So I Go have um, I have conditioned the cat inadvertently <laughs> about bedtime reading. So I try to go to bed at the same time every night and read for an hour. And he likes mm-hmm. that because then he hops up on the bed and we have like snuggles. And... Um, which is a reward for reading in itself. So now I've noticed like on nights where I stay up late where maybe we're watching something or I got home from work late or whatever. It's all of a sudden it's like, well, where the hell did the cat go? And I'll go upstairs and he's laying by the bed looking at me with such, like, Come on. such disappointment. <laughs> like you are not maintaining the schedule. I have been up here for 30 minutes. Where are you? I have it's been abandoned. reading time. Yes. My larger, more stubborn cat, Orville, who is a very large animal, um, 
he will get irritated if I haven't turned out bedside light. And then he will get irritated if I haven't gone to bed by 10. And if I am lying on my bed with the Kindle, like I put my head on the pillow and I put the Kindle right, right by the pillow and I tilt it up a little bit, he will come and just flop over on top of the Kindle. Like, nope, you're done now. Here's my gut. Boom. Linus is the same way with my phone. He doesn't like it when I use my phone in bed. Sink. He will come up and start like nibbling on my phone case <laughs> or he'll like Put if I'm away. listening to a podcast he will come over sit his fluffy belly onto my phone yep. and I can no longer hear the podcast coming out of my phone. Yes, time to stop now. Hi. Yes, cats are wonderful for terrible habit formation. Like imagine if they were like, "Okay, it's now it's time for you to eat chocolate." I think um going back to your earlier question, my goal for next year is just to try and get through some of these stacks of books in my house but that's more for practical reasons so that I can you know <laughs> navigate yeah right and and also to you know read them versus spending money on new books which lol is going to happen anyway <laughs> <laughs> I have started keeping a uh, review spreadsheet for myself because I remember mentioning I think in a prior podcast that I'm paranoid that Goodreads would make all my lists public by changing all the security settings and that like all of my shorthand comments would be visible to the world, which would be very bad. Um, so I have a reading spreadsheet, but I have breaks. So now I've, I've added a second column. The first column is, it would be really cool if you had something to say about this book and could review it. And, and I leave myself a little note. But then I also have a column of, you don't have to read this. This is going to be really enjoyable inevitably I end up wanting to say something about it because the habit of wanting to tell people about a book that I've read is so deeply embedded in my brain that if I tell the analytical review part of my brain, no, 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 take a break. You don't have to do, you don't have to manage this one. It's all good. That part of my brain wakes up at the end and is like, oh my God, I have so many thoughts. Go get a pen. <laughs> and I'm going to finish it before I tell you for sure it's for Sarah's because it's a romantic suspense. Good. It's called Hard is Ice, and it's by Raven Scott, and mm -hmm. it's the first book in this new romantic suspense series I found called the Fortis series, F-O-R-T-I-S. And so the book is romantic suspense, but it's about a, uh, a jewelry heist, not murder. Mm -hmm. So the heroine works for this big um, like auction house um, type of thing and they were going to auction off this necklace called the crimson amazon it's a red diamond it's extremely rare and it gets stolen and the way it, it was right the way it was stolen implies that it had to have been an inside job there had to have been knowledge of their security and everything like that so the guy who owns this big auction house type of thing hires this company called fortis to come in and it's all a bunch of um, romance novel heroes waiting for their own books to come in and find who stole the book or stole the, the necklace. So while part of his team is they're openly acting as like security and investigators, the hero in order to try and suss out who was the person on the inside who did the job is posing as a uh, very wealthy business owner whose father died. And now he wants to auction off his father's painting collection. So I'm curious to see how it works out because in the, I'm still in the beginning and he suspects that the heroine may have, been involved in the theft um he's deceiving her as to who he is mm. but at the same time they're really attracted to each other and connecting so i think it might be a book for sarah's i'll let you know i'm always so far there's heists. really there's so far there's really no violence okay good to know I was going to say, at one point, though, he invites her to a meeting in his hotel room. And thanks to Harvey Weinstein, that totally pulled me out of the book. Yeah, like, dude, don't go to that. No, That's gross. No, no. no right. No. Right. Amanda? Um, Eric and I were coming back from a brewery yesterday. Um, and I this was after I had just told him my nano plot, which is paranormal romance. And he's like, why aren't there any romances with breweries? It's like, there are. It's a thing right <laughs> it's now. totally a thing. And then he's like, wait a second. He's like, you need to write one. I was like, I'm not going to pivot. I'm already starting to write something else. I'm not going to write a brewery romance. And he's like, but just think of like all the great titles because brew rhymes with do. You could have like brew in it or brew me. And he kept just thinking of these awful, horrible. Brew in the dirty. Brew yes. Brewing the just deed. Brew it. Brew in the deed. Uh, yeah. Me from and behind. 
<laughs> and I'm like, this is Ruby terrible. from behind. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I'm so ashamed but of myself. He just thought it was the greatest <laughs> idea he ever thought Someone's going to listen to that and be like, uh, serious idea. Yeah, I mean, just, <laughs> just mention me in the acknowledgments and that's yeah. it. You have a deal. You can take that. However, I would like to point out that if you are writing a book with breweries in it and you go to breweries, that's research and therefore a tax deduction. So have you explained to Eric yet that if he starts a sentence, why aren't there romance novels with the answer is always yes? There already yeah. are? Yes. Except for the sentence, which I always love. But how come there aren't romances that end unhappily? I've had that one. Because it's not a romance. I've had, a, I've had that one a few times. Like, because uh, that's a different genre. I had someone, like, comment on a thing I wrote for Book Riot about. They're like, well, there's Romeo and Juliet and Tristan and Isolde. I was like, those it's, aren't romances. It says tragedy on the title page, y'all. Says tragedy. Yeah. Because they die and it's miserable. Yeah. Oh, people. Well, thank you guys for taking the time to record with me. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you would like to tell us about your reading habits, how you have created and maintained your own reading time, I would love to hear from you. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can record a voice memo and email it to me there, which is so awesome. I love when you do that. Or you can leave a voicemail at 12013713272. I would really be interested in hearing how you create and maintain your own reading time. It can be quite a challenge. I also want to tell you thank you for many things. First, thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving reviews and recommending the show and subscribing. And thank you for having a look at our podcast, Patreon. A special thank you to our Patreon sponsors because you are so great. If you would like to have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches, every monthly pledge for as little as a dollar makes a very, very significant difference in the show and helps me commission transcripts for older episodes. Going back into the archives, also a lot of fun. Today's podcast was brought to you by Dreamlands by Felicitas Ivy. This is the first of a series found at DSP Publications, and it is a series filled with danger, monsters, and love with heroes struggling towards their happily ever after. True love will win out, but after it goes through the ringer once or twice, because, you know, it's a romance. The Trust and its battle-hardened recruits are fighting a horrific war between the humans of this world and the demons of the Dreamlands. And in this shadowy battle, Kino Inuzaka is merely a pawn, first an innocent bystander imprisoned and abused by the trust, then a captive of a demon Oni when taken to the dreamlands. But Oni Samujiro Aboshi treats that human with unexpected care and respect, and the demon only just earns Kino's trust when a team from the trust arrives to exploit dreamlands magic. As the war spreads across both worlds, Kino is torn between them, if he survives, he faces a decision, go home, carve out a new life under the thumb and watchful eye of the trust, or stay in the dreamlands and find freedom in love. You can find out more about Dreamlands by Felicitas Ivy at her website at DSP Publications, and I will have links to both at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information right now haha, about this track. This is Juma Amuse by Caravan Palace. It is from their two-album set, Caravan Palace and Panic, which, uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I really like. You can find it on iTunes or on Amazon, and you can also find out more about Caravan Palace at caravanpalace.com or on their Facebook page. You can find links to all of the books we discussed in this episode at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. And as usual, I end with a terrible joke. Are you ready? Here we go. Why did the Velociraptor eat his friend? Why did the Velociraptor eat his friend? Because Jurassic times call for Jurassic measures. <laughs> Thank you to Mellow Out Dude on Reddit for that joke because it totally made my day. And on behalf of Amanda and Elise and myself and all of the mammals that live with us, we wish you the very best of reading and excellent reading time. Have a great weekend and we will see you here next week. <laughs>